This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Episode 3 from the Braves booth, starting right now. Happy to have you with us as we bring you the third edition of our podcast alongside Joe Simpson and Jonathan Chadwick. Ben Ingram here with you. Joe, good to see you. How are you? You too, Ben. It's great. I'm enjoying these podcasts, and uh, we're uh, we're getting a lot of good questions from folks now here in our third episode. Jonathan Chadwick will join us momentarily, so uh, this is fun with you guys. It is, and I feel like we've got lots of questions today and some that, that Jay Chad might be able to give the best answers to with some of these questions. We're loaded up with good questions today. We've given out our email before. Here's our email again, bravesbooth at gmail.com. And any questions you have about anything you want to talk about, fire away, bravesbooth at gmail.com. We get to them over the course of our show. And we'll be doing that, of course, today as we bring you another episode. But looking back on the week that was in Braves baseball, Atlanta had back-to-back doubleheaders for the first time since 2006. Now, a little bit of a caveat. These are seven-inning games. Go back to 06, they were nine-inning games. But two long days of baseball. Braves got a split with the Cardinals, split with the Mets. And hopefully that last night, uh, that that victory last night, the final game versus the Mets can really help them in these next two. I think it will. And a little addendum to 06 is that they didn't just have back-to-back uh, double headers with the Phillies. They had like four double headers in six days in that stretch. Oh man! So it was nuts. But uh, last night was a much needed win. Uh, I, I said I was trying not to be dramatic, but I thought it was a could be a big turning point uh, in the season if they were not able to hang on. And boy, did they barely hang on with the bases loaded, one out in the seventh, and able to pull it out. Something that always amazes me is so many times, especially with good teams. Maybe not necessarily with bad teams, but with good teams. Teams, teams that end up going somewhere. So many times you can point back to a series or maybe one game even and say that was the jumping off point. That was the game that sent us the trajectory that we're currently on. And we don't know what the future holds. There's still over 90 games left to be played. Uh, a, a one nothing win last night. Bases loaded when the game ends. So you got two, uh, two big games versus the Mets tonight and tomorrow, and then you have the Mets coming in. But I, I hope that, like you mentioned, that, that the season, we can look back on last night's win and say that was one of those moments. That was one of those jumping off points where you, you had to have a big win, you got it and it felt like the team took a different direction after that i I agree and uh rest assured the players will remember it too if it's a point where they finally get some traction and start uh putting some wins together you know win 10 out of 15 it doesn't have to be a a 10 game winning streak it just needs to be uh maybe a, a 
a, a two wins to one loss type of stretch that they play in. The the players will remember that game as the jumping off point where they uh, finally got some traction and started winning. And they got good pitching from Ian Anderson too. They needed that going into that game after losing four to two in game one. So another good performance by him in terms of getting a win that hopefully will keep him on the right track going forward. And it wasn't just a big performance for the team. Ian needed that performance personally, didn't yes. he? Yeah, he did. I mean, three of his last four outings, he only went four or four-plus innings last night. I understand he only went five-plus, but it was in a seven-inning game, and I thought he was in command the whole time. Speaking of pitching, get a tough break today. Charlie Morton will be going tonight. We thought it would be Morton and Freed in the final two games of this series versus the Mets, which is why we were so excited about last night. You win that game, and then you hand the ball to two of your hotter pitchers of late well max freed this afternoon put on il uh, a blister so retroactive to his last outing uh, we'll see kyle wright come up i assume he'll get that opportunity in the final game of the series versus the mets but that's been a, a consistent theme with this team that the second you feel like you've got stable footing all of a sudden you lose someone due to an injury or, or something else and it's just been so unfortunate it really is uh, i guess if you want to find a silver lining it's that uh, it wasn't arm trouble it's mm-hmm. not a pulled hamstring or anything like that a torn calf uh it's a blister and it's something he's dealt with before and i think he has been able to manage up up to this point since it last happened uh with heat and humidity uh the grip on the baseball i hate to say it you know if you're having to go to rosin a lot now that kind of lends itself to that so we'll see what happens going forward yeah we will so max will be out for a little while and he's been really good of late want to get him back in there really soon and in the meantime the rest of the rotation will have to step up and We'll see if Kyle Wright can get out there and get a big win for the Braves tomorrow in that finale versus the Mets. These are the final few weeks leading up to the All-Star break, and every single player will tell you, whether it be personally or as a team, they all want to be in a certain place by the All-Star break. Atlanta has the rest of this road trip where they'll finish up with the Mets uh, on uh, Wednesday, and then they take on the Reds in Cincinnati Thursday through Sunday, come home to see the Mets and the Marlins, Uh, then it's a series with the Pirates, then the Marlins again, and then it's the all-star break so we're talking about three weeks away or so from the all-star break and and i think whether it be the team the fans the front office you want to know the identity of your ball club by the break you might not be where you want to be in the standings but i think you want to know who you are and for the braves i think uh, these next few weeks are extremely important because who you are dictates what you do at the trade deadline right and if you don't know by the trade deadline you've only got two weeks to figure it out before i mean if you don't know by the all-star break you only have two weeks until the trade deadline to make a move or uh, unload and retool whatever you're going to do so you better know and have a good idea about who you are and what you're doing uh, by the time the all-star break gets here and then that that schedule you talked about will help dictate that you and i were talking about a, a number last night only one time since the braves moved to atlanta in 1966 have they been under 500 through 70 games and made the postseason that was 2004 that team was 32 and 38 at that point and i think we feel like this team can hit a stride where they can still win this division nobody's run away with this division and that's the good news but you and i are detailing last night what we thought would need to happen for this team to do that and while that could be a three or four prong answer i think the first prong is something that we shared in common it's got to be the bullpen doesn't it i I think you start there absolutely you start there and figure out what you need and who you need and who fits, who complements 
what you already have. Uh, there are going to be some arms available. Let's face it, every team's got a guy throwing 97 to 100, uh, and everybody could use one of those guys, if not a couple, and the Braves could. Uh, but it's more than that. It's more than just a hard thrower. It's more about having a guy who fits into your ball club and can throw strikes. He's not going to come in and walk the ballpark. Uh, for me right now with the bullpen, that's something that Brian Snitker just doesn't know on night-to-night basis who's going to have good command. Right. And, and that makes his job so much harder. He draws so much heat and criticism unnecessarily, in my opinion, when, um, you know, he tries to make the best decisions he can, but he's flipping a coin too. He doesn't know because these guys haven't established themselves as being consistent. Mm-hmm. So, yes, bullpen first and then whatever else after that. If, if there's one element of the team that you feel like you could stick with without trading for, moving around, would it be the rotation? I feel like when the ta- when the rotation is healthy, they're good enough to give you what you need to win every single night. I think bullpens, I mean, the starting rotation's fine. I, I, you've got some depth there. you got Wilson if you need it. Now you got Muller, who looked really good last night. Uh, Kyle Wright probably will pitch tomorrow. Let's hope he doesn't come in and walk the ballpark. Right. Uh, he's had opportunity after opportunity and who knows how many more he's going to get. Um, but they have depth, and uh, provided everybody stays healthy, the starting rotation is fine. Uh, the infield is superb. It's it's just fine. Defensively uh, and offensively, they're, they're getting it done. Freddie's coming around and playing well and hitting well. So um, you don't have to worry about the infield, too. Catching-wise... Uh, Contreras is uh, holding his own. Good games, bad games. Doing okay behind the plate, uh, receiving the ball. But you also know that you're going to get Darno back in a few weeks, so you've got that. You can rest on those laurels. Outfield could could certainly use some improvement and some guys that are everyday type players that we're, we know are productive. Yeah, I think when you're looking ahead to the trade deadline, we mentioned the bullpen, so you could trade for a reliever or two. For the outfield, if you're to get one guy, I think that could go a long way. Not just for your outfield defensively, but for the depth of your lineup. That might be what you're looking to check off more than anything, is just giving your lineup a little bit more depth. We got to see the depth one through eight last year that was so superb. Uh, and you'd like to see something close to that again for the final two, two and a half months of the season. And I don't know who that is. I don't know if that guy is out there, but it's probably uh, an opportunity for Alex to probably try to get creative and, and find a guy who can be out there every single day and also hit somewhere in the middle of your order. Yeah, and here's some, I think, some um, possibilities, not name-wise, I'm just talking about position-wise, that uh, might be flexible enough to help Alex in his pursuit of help in the outfield. And that is, you can go get, you can be looking at a center fielder, or you could be looking at a left fielder, right? if not both. But if you go get a center fielder, then you've got Almonte and Heredia, who I think have both done yeoman work out there. They've they've surprised all of us uh, with their consistency and their hard work. That might turn into a platoon situation for those two guys out in left field. Okay, if that doesn't happen, you can't find a center fielder. You go find an everyday left fielder. And then platoon some out in center between Heredia and Ender. 
right? Uh, if not Pache, the, maybe the most unfortunate thing right now among the position players, uh, aside from the Darno injury, was Pache not being able to take uh, the ball and run with it, so to speak, in center field. He was overmatched, and hopefully that will change. Yeah, I think when we got down to spring training, I know we were all hopeful, and I think we saw glimpses to, to make us believe that he could do it. But uh, once you got into the everyday uh, grind of the season, we saw that wear him down and just probably needs a little bit more offseason or uh, minor league seasoning we'll see him get that no doubt that the glove is there and defensively he's as good as anybody out there i I do think it's interesting talking about those hypotheticals of of where you could add because not only would that make your starting nine better that help your bench as well oh yeah i mean because whomever you're not using they'd be available later in the ball game so whether that's almonte adrianza sandoval whomever you bring in i feel like your options off the bench are significantly better i i couldn't agree more uh any help out there is just going to make your ball club better. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the purpose of this. Will we get better? I remember years ago hearing about when the Braves and John Sherholtz would try to go out and make an, a, an acquisition at the trade deadline. Uh, I was told that Ted Turner, kind of <clears throat> from a budget standpoint, he was asked, he would be asked about it to kind of bust the budget. And he would say, well, is it going to make us better? And the answer was always yes. And he said, well, then go for it. Right. So that's the bottom line. Any deal you make, is it going to make the team better? And is it going to make them better right now? Kind of what you've heard all along. Spending money isn't a problem so long as you're getting value for what you're spending. Right. If you go out there and you're spending for a player, uh, if you're making a trade, if he makes you you significantly better, well, then it's worth the price tag. Sure. Uh, I don't think you just look at the price tag and say, forget it. That's too expensive for us. What are you getting in return? And, And I think if going back to what Ted was saying, if that made your ball club that much better, in his mind, that made it worth it for the ball club. No doubt about it. And uh, he trusted and delegated everything on the baseball side to baseball people who had a very good knowledge of what they were doing. And I think the results uh, kind of bear that out yeah. with return with, with 14 straight division titles. Uh, so uh, Alex Anthopoulos is very capable. I think he's very shrewd. I think he plays, uh, since I've known him, I think he plays everything very close to the vest where we find out about a deal or an acquisition after it's already done and we didn't have any idea that they were even looking at that particular player. So uh, I don't I don't expect the team to stand pat and I won't be surprised at anything he's able to pull off. All right, one more question for you, and then we'll dive into the questions that are there for us. We mentioned Muller. We got to see him in a relief appearance versus the Red Sox, made his debut, and then get a start in the doubleheader versus the Mets, and he looked really good. I'm pretty optimistic for him. I've been optimistic about his stuff for a while. We got to see him some last season. Stuff-wise, just blows you away. I mean, he's 99-100 with a fastball, really good secondary stuff. It's just a matter of control. And at 23 years old, he's got plenty of time. Uh, but I'm furthermore optimistic that we could see him get some big innings this year. Yeah. What I saw wasn't just, okay, I'm hopeful for 2022 and beyond for Muller. I was confident enough with what we saw out of him in uh, the first game of that doubleheader where you could hand him the ball a handful of times in the second half of the season and have high expectations for his for his work. I think you're right. And, and you don't like to say or make long-term decisions based on uh, one start and one inning. Uh, of relief, but uh, I liked what I saw. I, I read something about him today that he did yesterday um, that made me really like him. And the story was that he walked out 
onto the field at City Field yesterday before anybody was going to take batting practice or anything. He was in his uh, socks and shower shoes, you know, and a, a T-shirt and shorts, whatever he had on. And he went right to the mound. And he wanted to see what it looked like from that mound so that he didn't have any surprises when he went out to start his game. That's great. And he actually then went to the bullpen. He had to be directed, shown where the bullpen was for the visiting team. He went down there, went out there, and did the same thing because he wanted to visualize and see what that was going to be so there were no surprises when he warmed up. To me, that's an old baseball soul there. That's a guy who is so into it that uh, he's planning ahead, thinking ahead, and not in terms of watching video and scouting reports but visualizing what was about to happen around him and i sorely appreciated that yeah i think so too that really gets him as prepared for the moment as he possibly could be you get thrown into a big league game for a team with high expectations i don't care where you're playing or who you're playing that's a big deal but you got it you're in new york against the first place team against Jacob deGrom mm-hmm. and I, I never saw one moment where I thought that that he shuddered or, or ran away from the moment and I loved seeing that out of Kyle yeah he struggled in the first inning you know he had a wild pitch it cost him a run that was um, instrumental in the ball game of course but after the first inning he gave up one hit that was an official scorer's decision that should have been an error right. in, in all of our opinions. So he easily could have gone uh, the four or five innings that he, he pitched uh, without giving up a hit yeah. to the New York, the first place New York Mets. So he should feel very good about it. He said so after his start that he felt good about it. And let's hope that that parlays into something good for him down the way. Yeah, looking forward to the next time we get to see Kyle Muller. Last season was fun. Last season was was great to see the team play as well as they did, but it is great to have 162 back. It, you can just take this thing easy. There's no moments of urgency until you really, really have moments of urgency. There's still over 90 games left in the season. While we'd love to see the Braves turn things around, have a winning record built on that, you've got time. You didn't have that last year, and I'm enjoying knowing that you get to play this whole thing out. It's a long, long season, and you've got time. And I almost forgot what that was like after what we went through last year year that's true the one thing you don't want to have happen you have time but that gives other people time too yeah and the new york mets have a nice comfortable lead right now and uh we're seeing who they are without some of their good players we talked about this when we last saw the mets in atlanta and how they had guys stepping up and playing that you least expected it you know tomas nito with that great series he had at truest park but in the absence of so many players uh, jd davis uh mcneil nemo conforto all starting players right they missed out of their lineup and missing uh, some pitchers, too, that they were counting on, of course, and Syndergaard and... Um, Taiwan Walker. Taiwan, uh, Taiwan Walker stepped up and been huge. Uh, Carrasco, they got, mm-hmm. you know, as a free agent, hasn't pitched yet. They have so many weapons that they haven't actually been able to use on a consistent basis yet that they frighten you a little bit, and you just don't want them to get too far out of sight. Yeah, that's a great point, man. And a great summary of, summary of where the team is right now is we are coming... Coming up on uh, end of June is uh, we'll, we'll be All Star break here in a few weeks, like we were discussing. So uh, it is time to get into some of your questions, and we have a ton of them. And the three of us are just going to pick and choose some things off the list that we have in front of us. But lots of really good questions. Thank you so much for tuning in, and, and thank you so much for making this part of uh, your weekly schedule with the podcast and some of the other podcasts that you listen to. We know you have great choices out there, and we appreciate you tuning in to from the Braves booth, and we appreciate the email. 
emails, bravesbooth at gmail.com. Okay, let's jump into these. Here's one that says, for Ben and Joe, this is from Austin. He says, number one, I know there's a ton of prep work involved prior to games. What goes on specifically in the booth that we don't see or hear that makes your job more than just sitting and talking baseball? And number two, have there been any moments in the past few years that brought you to your feet while calling a game? That's a great question. I I would say that there are moments where we probably wanted to spring to our feet. However, we were kind of tethered to our uh, (laughs) instrument boxes here with our headsets. And if we did that, everything would come up off the table. There have been moments where I know that I've been in the middle of a call and found myself like pumping my fist yeah, uh, because you're just so excited and into the moment. So I wouldn't say I've quite taken my feet, but I know we get pretty uh, pretty excited up here in some big moments where we do are pumping our fists or whatever, giving each other fist bump in between innings. Well, we do that. And, um, you know, we're, we're just as big of fans as any of you out there. We want the Braves to win. We are homers. And you can make whatever criticisms about that that you want but we're not embarrassed to say that uh in terms of what goes on in the booth that we don't see you don't see or hear about we typically get here um four hours before a game starts uh i'm not stretching that it's it's three and a half to four hours jonathan's here before that he's here five to six hours before a game starts sometimes and we're doing our due diligence if you will if you want to put it in a legal term we are doing some homework that we didn't do or have access to when we were at home certainly computers and telephones now give us access to a lot of nationwide information and on the spot information but there are some things um i i guess i should describe it this way there's some things that might be important to ben that aren't important to me you know so we're filling out our score sheets We're making our notes and for things that we think are relative and important to each other um, so that we can go back to them. If the game gets out of hand or if something comes up during the game in a close game, we can go back to that note and say, you know what, this was a, I'm glad I wrote this down. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. I know we're always getting ready for uh, any, any type of situation, trying to anticipate everything. On the side of all that, we have a really good time. I mean, we're, we've got these cough buttons. I can push this button, mute my mic, and we're constantly saying things that are funny. Uh, we're making each other laugh. And, and we're just like fans from the standpoint of there might be a move that takes place in a game. A guy's caught upon a pinch hit, or they go to this guy in the bullpen, and we're thinking to ourselves in between innings, now, why did they do that? Why this guy instead of that guy? I wouldn't say that it's necessarily second-guessing, and maybe these are things that you'd hear on talk shows, maybe not necessarily uh, on a play-by-play broadcast, but I think we're similar to the guys that are down in the seats underneath us let's sure. say why not this guy or why that guy because uh, we're always thinking about the game i feel and how we're watching it and observing it we're always thinking about well, what about this situation and why do they choose this over that and, and that's fun to, to watch it from that perspective well and i liked uh the some good advice i got to uh, early on in my broadcasting career was uh treat it like a couple of guys sitting on a bar stool you know, mm-hmm. sitting there having a beer and watching the game and just talking about it. And I've always taken that to heart uh, without the beer, of course, although there were times <laughs> where we should have had one or two. Uh, so I, don't talk over the fans' heads. Your preparation should be such that you always remember that there's somebody listening or watching the game that's never seen a baseball game before and may not understand all the vernacular 
like we're used to. So there's that. That's part of the preparation and the reminders to ourselves to do things the right way too. That's a really good question, Austin. And uh, Joe, you have anything you on the list you want to jump in on? Well, I was just going to say about jumping to your feet. Uh, there, got to go back a few years to Chipper uh, hitting his 400th home run, his clutch hitting when an MVP tearing the Mets up. That always got me to my feet. And more recently, it would be Freddie Freeman and what he did last year with his mm-hmm. clutch hitting and winning MVP. Uh, those 60 games were very special. Yeah, they really were. I got one. Go ahead. Uh, in your opinion, what are the best seats, not in the radio booth, of course, what are the best seats in Truist Park? And Reed also wants to know, when's the last time you went to a baseball game when you just got to watch and not call it? I got to do that here recently. You did? Yeah, I, went to, I came to a game... Uh, National Series, I think two homestands ago. It was the series before they played the Dodgers. I was working the Dodgers series with you. You and Jim had the Nat series. I want to say it was a four-game series early in the week. And I came on a Tuesday night, I want to say, and, and had awesome seats. And, um, and I love getting to mix it in like that, where you can go down on a night where you're not working and watch the game as low as you possibly can, uh, see what the game's like down there, and, and hear some things that we don't normally get to hear up here, and see some things that maybe you normally don't get to see. That was That's always fun. And I know that there have been times in other cities where perhaps we got to town for, for an off day, and the team that we we're about to start playing was playing that day, and some people in our traveling party have gone to games. JC did that at Wrigley Field, I want to say, a couple of years ago. But that's it. to me, that's always fun to get to mix in and see a game just by being a fan in the stands. Jonathan, where are your favorite seats? Where would you sit if you had a choice? At Truist Park? Yeah. I kind of like those chop house seats. You can't beat it, can you? No, I kind of like those out there because you have that tabletop you have a bar stool type seat, um, and you're literally hanging kind of right over the right field wall. So yeah. I like those a lot. Outside of the uh, of those seats with the table, and there's also the Xfinity Club that has those uh, half moon tables too. And that deck, that's a great vantage point. My favorite, I guess, because that's where I watch baseball my whole life, are the seats right out there next to the tunnel in center field. Because that's where I always watch the game from play, <laughs> when I was playing. And I always love watching the game from that perspective. So uh, there's something for you to write down, uh, read as a possibility the next time you come to Truist Park. See if you can get down there uh, low to the fence in those seats near the tunnel in center field. JC, you got a question you want to fire away with? Lauren wants to know what you guys do between innings. Well, it depends on what inning it is. If there's a pitching change, whoever isn't calling play-by-play that inning, we're getting ready to introduce the new pitcher. But other than that, uh, might grab a drink of water or eat. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Grab a bite of something. It's not long. What, we got about 90 seconds? It's about two minutes. So, you know, there's not a lot of time to do anything. For me personally, I stay on headset so I can get cues from the guys at the radio station to let us know how much time we have until we're back and then ultimately – when we're back and then obviously i relay that information to you guys i think my favorite in between innings is when we have the seventh inning stretch at home and there's not a pitching change and you can actually watch them do the light chop or yeah. listen to people sing take me out to the ball game because i feel like about nine times out of ten there's a pitching change going on and we yeah. hear it but you don't really get to pay attention i love when there's no pitching change me too 
in between the top and the bottom of the seventh, and you can take 30 seconds just to soak in the sounds of the ballpark. I've got two questions here that kind of tie in together. They're from different people. The first one is from Mark. He says, if a scuffle broke out between the TV and radio booth, who would win? And this one from someone named Chip says, how come you guys don't have to dress like the TV guys? Okay, so Mark, I'm going to answer this first. Radio would win because we're dressed to fight. Right. You know, we're ready. We're in our street clothes, yeah. as they say. And there's three of us and two of them. Yeah, and so that's that's a no-brainer. Radio would win. And then from Chip, he says, how come you guys don't have to dress like the TV guys? And the answer there is because we're men. Right. Chip knows the answer to that. I thought he did. Yeah. Yeah. Because I have a feeling that is, that's, that's next-door neighbor, Chip. Oh, it probably is. It probably is. But as I said, we're men, and we dress <laughs> like it. I think that's a perfectly way to answer that question. Uh, let's see here. Other questions that uh, my, do you guys like well, Cool I, Ranch Doritos? I got one. Oh yeah, I love Doritos. From Vicky, I love yeah. Cool Ranch Doritos. Yeah, absolutely. I got another one here. Who has better hair, Chip Carey or Dansby Swanson? Is that from Chip too? No, that's from Sarah. <laughs> okay. What's your answer? I'll go Chip because Chip's got that hair and he's in his fifties. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's impressive. Look, yeah. Dansby's hair is really impressive, but Dansby's, what, 26 years old? Yeah. I mean, Chip's twice his age and still got the hair. Right. I'll go Chip as well. He's kind of got that salt and pepper thing working. Yeah, he does. So, you know, he and I, the last uh, two times we've had off days, have went and got haircuts together. Yeah. So we go to the same guy. Well, it, it shows. I'm going to go with Chip also. All right. Because uh, people don't know this, but Dansby's hair is hair club for men. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So That's nobody, a major breaking news on our podcast yeah, here. Nobody knows that. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad we got to the bottom of that one. Yeah. Let's see here. Um, this is about play-by-play. It says, my question is primarily directed toward Ben. When Ben and Jim do games together, uh, with both of you being excellent play by pl- excellent at play-by-play, how do you decide who takes the lead? Yesterday it felt like Jim took the lead during game one and Ben took the lead during game two. Or do you take particular innings? Uh, follow-up, has Joe received a double stuff Oreo endorsement yet? Unfortunately not. I don't know no. how that hasn't happened yet. No. Uh, thanks for all you do, JR. Uh, JR, all we do is alternate. So uh, when Jim and I are doing a game together, we'll split the innings right down the middle. Whoever leads gets the first two and a half. Next person gets the next two and a half and the first person gets two and then the next person gets the last two so if i led one day and started with the, with the first inning jim would get the final out that day and then the next day i would take the last uh two innings jim would start the game with the first two and a half and we just alternate it, it's nothing more than that so uh just an alternation there between jim and myself and splitting the games up why is the pa so loud at truist park what yeah we have uh this is from sam and sam we have the same complaints that you just registered uh sometimes we can't even hear each other on our headsets because it is way too loud and uh if i had scott cunningham's uh email address i'd give it to you i don't have it he's the guy that is in charge of the volume so maybe next time, next question, I mean, the next time we have questions, I can have that email for you, and we'll just send you direct to him. All right. Good idea. JC, fire away with one. How many games do each of you work a season? That's from John. Uh, I'll go first. Right. Um, there was a time, uh, and it was commonplace, 
on radio, you did uh, every game. You did 162, and nobody thought twice about it. Uh, I would say in the last 20 years, that's changed where uh, the teams uh, and radio stations give you a break, give you a few days off here and there, and I think that's a good thing. I think it helps you kind of recharge the batteries, refresh a little bit. So uh, this year, I'm going to be doing somewhere in the vicinity of 140. Yeah. I'll do as many as they ask me to do. I guess that's Mm -hmm. my answer. I I think this season will probably be maybe around the same number. You're 130, 140, something like that. Did every spring training game. Yeah. (laughs) I can check that one off the list. Never thought I'd be doing that. Bless your heart. (laughs) We got them done, though. (laughs) I average about 200 games a year because I do all 30 at spring training, all 162, and then whatever postseason – amount that there is but it's one of those things like i'm sure that the break is nice to recharge your batteries but it's one of those things for me where i would feel weird if i was not here yeah and i this year was the first year that i had games off in forever i had been doing either pre-game post-game or the game i think i did over 800 consecutive games doing one of those three or or multiple uh, uh parts of those and this season i had i want to say a four game stretch off in may and it felt weird. so weird yeah the first day yeah second day i was like all right, this is this is not that bad. I'll, I'll, see, I'll see those guys Thursday night. Yeah. Uh, I'll be back, no problem. But yeah, it, it is good to get a breather here and there. I think we all could use it time to time, and uh, you, you feel refreshed when you come back after three or four days off, don't you? Uh, agreed. I, I think it's a, uh, a good move that started, like I said, a few years back. And um, it's funny, the guy I worked with in Seattle, he was always making fun of some of the veteran broadcasters who were not working a full schedule. He was just on them, just dog him and then all of a sudden the next year he was going to take 10 days off and i said wait a minute i thought you were all about 162 and he goes oh, i just sounded like a good idea the more i thought about it <laughs> yeah what about when uh, in the days where pete and skip were, were calling games with you were they doing every single game uh pretty much well not every game because there were four of us uh, along with Don and the two guys you just mentioned. So what we would do is if there was a national broadcast, if there was a Saturday game of the week broadcast by Fox or whomever, and then a Monday night, Sunday night, uh, rather Sunday night ESPN game, then only two guys worked and they did the radio and two guys had the night off. I see. And we rotated that. Okay. Keeps you fresh yeah. throughout the season. Uh, this next question from Tracy. Of all the games you have called in your career so far, is there a play or a game that stands out as your favorite moment? That is a really good question, Tracy. Yeah. Lots of things come to mind. I'm sure lots of things come to mind for you, Joe. And Sometimes uh, too many, but yeah. it gets clogged up. But go ahead. I mean, I'm assuming winning the World Series has got to yes, be way up that, there. That's one of them. Yeah. Marquise catching that fly ball. You remember everything about that moment? Uh, pretty much, you know. Um, and Mark Wohler's doing his thing. It was um, Carlos Baerga made the last out. All those, you know, you, you know how, how it all plays out. and Everybody's seen it a million times. But if I can add one more, and it's not, it's not a Braves note, but uh, this will, in my opinion, probably never happen again. I got to see a father and a son hit back-to-back homers in a game. I saw Ken Griffey hit a homer in Anaheim against the Angels for the Mariners, and Junior came up behind him and hit one right. You're calling that game? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that, that I doubt that that'll ever happen again. Yeah, that's, that'd be really hard to tell. Amazing. While I'm not calling the game, I'm a part of it. I would say the easy answer for me would be my favorite moment. It hasn't happened yet. All right. 
Makes a lot of sense. Got a a World Series coming. Yeah, it hasn't happened yet. Um, Some fun games to work. Um, As you both know, the postseason games are fun. They're a little intense at times. And um, it's a completely different thing working postseason games uh, compared to a regular season game. So those are a lot of fun. They're intense. Every pitch matters. Uh, But favorite game I've ever worked, it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, that's a really good call. Two things jump out to me. Number one last year, and I hate that there were no fans here for this, but the 13-inning game versus the Reds last year, mm-hmm. Freddie's base hit. I mean, the Reds had, it felt like, 100 chances to win that game. They never did. Braves win one nothing. That one, that game ended, and I felt just totally gassed, but so excited, too, because they had won the game and felt like, okay, they can win the next day, win the series in advance. But another one that comes to mind, and, and we can laugh about this, this was NLDS 2019. Uh, I was in the camera well for the home games. I was doing play-by-play for the road games in St. Louis. So you and I, Joe, were calling the games in St. Louis. I had never called a postseason game before in my life. I felt like I was about to run out the tum- tunnel on WrestleMania. I, I was <laughs> so jacked up. Um, there are 40,000 people there at Bush Stadium. The place is going nuts. And my adrenaline, I, I'm telling you, it, I don't know if it's ever been that high in my life. And I f- flew through the first uh, half inning. I mean, top of the first, I probably sound like an auctioneer. I'm just... Because I just couldn't calm down. I was so excited. And I didn't know how jazzed up I, I was. We get the last out. We go to commercial break, and Joe just spins in his chair. He looks right at me. He said, hey, you got your first half inning done. You, you just calm down. And you could tell, both of you guys could tell I was just jazzed up. Well, your eyes were as big as saucers. That, <laughs> yeah. that was a clue. <laughs> yeah. And and from there on, it calmed me down, and I realized, okay, this is, yes, there, there's more at stake here, but this is the same game you just did for the you know last 162 of them. And, and I'll never forget that moment because I needed, I, I mean, I'd never felt like that before calling a game i was that jazzed up that nervous whatever you want to call it nerves at an all-time high and i needed that so that moment carrying into what is postseason baseball the braves came back and won that game remember they were down yeah. late uh came back and won and i think we all thought at that point they're going to win the series sure. and that's another story but that was that whole day i felt like it wasn't just uh the the, the great win the come from behind win i felt like it was a learning moment for myself and all that infused into one day that stood out to me as uh, a big day for me and one that i remember a lot about it it also helps you and helps me realize how it's easy for the players to feel the same way. Yeah. How they've got to get control of their emotions. They've got to breathe right. They've got to, you know, get in the moment without being too jazzed up. I mean, it's a real thing, man. I can't yeah. imagine what it's like for those guys. Yeah. I know what it's like for me. I can't imagine being down Last there. year during the NLCS, I couldn't even watch half the games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that NLCS... Yeah. I mean, we'd look, we'd turn around in between innings, and I mean, Jay Chad's done, man. Yeah. He, he's just shaking like a leaf back there. Uh, any of these other questions you guys want to throw out there before we wrap up? Let's save some, or unless Jonathan's got one. Kevin wants to know: Will an offensive team like the Braves benefit from the substance crackdown? Uh, I think eventually all the off all the teams will benefit from the crackdown uh whatever substance the pitchers were using that enhanced all their spin rates and everything it can't help but make it easier to hit uh, if there is such a thing 
They're using it for a reason. Of course. And uh, so I think the Braves will benefit from that. Who was the question from? Kevin. Kevin, Kevin I, uh, I think it'll help everybody. And I, and at the same time, I don't think it'll hurt the pitchers. Uh, maybe it's it'll they'll have to work at getting used to the grip that's different. Um, everybody's worried about them hurting their arms, but uh, they'll still have a little tackiness of some kind. I think it's been interesting to watch over the course of the last week when you look at guys' spin rates on all of their pitches. And there are guys we've seen to this point, even last night, where their spin rates are way down. Yeah, yeah right. I think so too. Uh, one thing I will say is I didn't expect it to go like it did yesterday where they were checking every couple of innings. Yeah. I mean, DeGrom walked off after the top of the first inning, takes off the belt. Here's the glove. Here's the hat. I thought they would just ask to see their equipment if there was some suspicion. Yeah. But it was almost like it was a a, a police checkpoint. Yes, it was. Like, okay, we got to check this guy because we have it in a few innings. Let's just check him down, make sure he's good. And we saw Muller and DeGrom both checked twice, I want to say. I, I think that's right. We know Ian Anderson got checked, too. And, and every pitcher that got checked came back in the dugout kind of grinning, you know, laughing like – Man, they were really checking me over. Yeah. They must have thought I really had something going. I wonder if they knew it was going to be like that because we didn't. No, we didn't. I don't think I don't think Brian Snitker did either. Yeah. Well, that could be the new norm, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I we'll guess. start to see that every single day. Well, that will wrap up this episode. As always, thank you so much for being out there and for tuning in. More than anything, thank you so much for tuning in to our broadcast each and every night. We bring you Braves baseball every night, and we'll continue to bring you these podcasts weekly. Feel free to email us, bravesbooth at gmail.com. Ask us anything. That's kind of what we do. So fire away with whatever you got, bravesbooth at gmail.com. We will talk to you on the Braves Radio Network coming up very soon. And the next time we'll have our podcast, of course, will be next week. And in the meantime, for Jonathan, for Joe, I'm Ben. This has been from the Braves booth. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.